Are We Home Yet is the story about a second grade little boy named Max who finds himself in a homeless shelter with the rest of his family. I need a dollar, 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 that's what I need. The book is based on a compilation of students that I had been working with, so I just pulled out a sheet of notebook paper one day and started writing. If I share with you my story, would you share your dollar with me? That's counselor, educator, and author Christy Jones, and this is Sounds from the Street, where we get to meet men and women facing and or fighting homelessness. I'm your host, Adam Campy. Two and a half million children annually experience homelessness in the United States. That's a devastating fact. It's not exactly water cooler conversation because A, who wants to talk about it? And B, who can wrap their head around 2.5 million anything? Here's where Christy Jones enters the picture. She took a unique tack to breaking down the complex issue. She wrote a fictional children's book about one homeless child, Max. It didn't take Jones long to realize there wasn't a children's book out there that addressed this sensitive and overwhelming problem. I met with her in mid-September, just before the Street Sense Forum on Child Homelessness. Today, we'll learn about this native Washingtonian story and how her book became a reality one year ago in 2015. You're an educator, counselor, and a writer. Were you an educator first and then the writing kind of came out of that? Or were you always writing? I was an educator first. It was never my intent to be an author or to write anything to publish anything um i do journal but that was for my own personal interest but i thought about writing a book when i came across certain students that i was working with and i couldn't find a resource for them so i just pulled out a sheet of notebook paper one day and started writing uh, a story that i thought uh, could best be told from the perspective of a small child and it just it was born from there we're talking about Are We Home Yet? Yes. The title of the book is Are We Home Yet? Yes. So it was modeled off of a firsthand experience with a child who's experiencing some form of homelessness or was living in a shelter? Actually, the book is based on a compilation of students that I had been working with uh, since the beginning of the school year. And it had been on my mind to see if I could put something together. Like I said before, there were no resources available for them. There was no story that was telling the story as it related to them and it was telling it from their perspective. So just in talking with those students that I was working with at the time and um, providing them with resources and providing their families with some resources to help them through their situation, I decided to, after months and months of sitting and thinking about it, sat down and wrote it all out and had a friend to proofread it to see if if it was something that she thought would be relatable to those students. And she thought it was a really good idea. And then I put it in a folder and sat on it for six years until last year when I decided to publish it. Oh, wow. So it was only last year that it's been, or since last year, that it's been in the world as a physical, tangible object. Actually, the book is only, the book was uh, finally a published book in January of this year. And so it's been very well received because, like I said before, it is a story that has not been told before. 
It's not like any children's book that you would find in the public library or in any bookstore, but it was a story that needed to be told nonetheless. Um, I know some people were concerned because of the topic of homelessness, but it's bringing awareness to a situation that is very real to a lot of our children. And the way that the book ends, I hope, provides some hope to those children who find themselves in that situation. What is the plot? What is the summary of Are We Home Yet? So Are We Home Yet is the story about a second grade little boy named Max who finds himself in a homeless shelter with the rest of his family. And so the book goes through how he feels about living in the shelter, um, the different ways that other families in the shelter got to be in the shelter as well, and then how counselors in the shelter help him with some coping strategies to help him deal with all of the different emotions that he experiences while he is still living in the shelter and going to school simultaneously. How would you describe Max? Who is Max? Max, I would just describe Max as the son that I never had. So somehow I always end up, when I do write things, I I said that I never wanted to be a writer, but I did find some things recently like that I wrote in elementary school and Max was the main character. So I guess he's always been on my mind. So he was just a little boy that needed his story told. And I thought that it was very important to have a boy on the front cover of the book, to have him to be the main character, because often we don't see boys as the main character. And it's it's always that, you know, little girls like to read and, and little boys don't really like to read. Well, I want to change that. And so I thought by putting a little boy on the cover who's holding a football or who's throwing a football would get boys maybe who like football to want to pick this book up, even though the book has nothing to do with football. But I just wanted to make a connection. So that's who Max is. He's just a, a little boy who was in my imagination. And what is Max's story? Like I said, Max is the main character. Uh, I based his family off of how my family is built. I have a mother and a father, of course, um, and a little sister. In the story, Max has a little sister. um, And it's just the four of us. And unfortunately, dad ends up losing his job or getting laid off, rather. And they weren't able to pay to live where they lived anymore. And so then they had to go and live in a shelter. And that's such an archetypal representation of of a traditional homelessness story one of the parents or you know it could be a single parent or the primary breadwinner correct uh loses their job for xyz reason right can't afford to stay wherever they're staying exactly. be it an apartment or a house suddenly it's like and this is one thing i really like about the book it, it, there's a lot of transition in homelessness it's not just like a black and white you're under a tarp or under a yes. causeway or breezeway right. somewhere out in the open. Right. You could be in a shelter. Right. Like he's, Max says in the book, they're in a room with the Roberts and the Smiths. And the Smiths, I think, had been living in their car. Right. And the Roberts came from a motel mm-hmm. where they were temporarily, you know, and it, the spectrum is pretty wide. Correct. And so, like I said before, he was a compilation of of students that I worked with. But like I said, I had worked with those families as well. So I got to know their story. And because I've been at that school for a long time, I, I knew the families prior to their situation. So I knew that they were all 
hardworking families. You know, no one intentionally wants to be homeless, but at the time the economy had took a turn. And so those who had thriving small businesses found themselves folding in those businesses, not able to get any gainful employment, um, not being able to pay their mortgage, eventually going into foreclosure. So they just ended up in this downward spiral of some people will call it bad luck, but they just ended up in this downward spiral because of their economic situation. And they tried really hard to get out of it. And a lot of people who had never used any resources before ever in their life now found themselves in a situation where they had to use social services and get things like holiday assistance and Thanksgiving assistance. And so it was also an issue of not pushing their pride to the side or pushing it totally down, but us extending a hand and explaining to them that it was a hand up, not a handout. And we want to help you because we do want to see you thrive. But right now you do need some help. So please let us help you. And there were so many different, very varying stories. I wanted to make sure that those families that I work with got their story told. Did you ever have a chance to talk with any of those families once the book became published? One family in particular I am in contact with. Unfortunately, they're still kind of struggling, but they're, you know, they're getting back on their feet. Um, Some of them have transitioned and I can't find them. So that is a concern. Yeah, I was just curious what what an experience that would be f- if you were a you know second grader or first grader or third grader, somebody's just maybe just figured out how to read, um, and you were in this situation, like to have that chance to identify with right a character that represents you, right? Which you know is being thankfully finally in you know 2015 an issue that in terms of race and sexual identity, there's mm-hmm. a lot more variety out there. Yes. Which which is great. When I've shared the story with children that I, I didn't base the story on in particular, they were relieved that their story was told because um, now they had someone that they could relate to. And so there were parts in the book where Max talks about how he's embarrassed. He hopes that no one at school finds out that he lives in a shelter. I've, I've shared it with entire schools, and I had one girl, you know, raise her hand and just be so excited. Like, I used to live in a shelter. Like, I, she was so glad that that story had been told because then we started to have a further discussion into, well, what is a shelter? What does that look like? And it helped her classmates to understand uh, what her living situation was like. And some teachers have used the book to talk when they do their unit on talking about homes and the different types of homes that people live in using my book they have delved into some people don't live in an apartment or a house this is where some people live some people live in a shelter and so they have extended it that way so it's it's gone into an educating and awareness and a way to demystify yes or dispel myths about yes exactly you know it doesn't mean that you're just some outcast or that it was you know a choice as you mentioned right yeah it's it's not that you want to be homeless or that you just don't want to work or you're a lazy person it's it's much more deeper than that because there are many of us there about one paycheck away 
from being considered homeless. And so it's a lot closer to many of us than we think. Yeah, and there are some lines in there that really stuck with me um, very early on that he wishes he could live at school Mm -hmm. because he has his own space. Yes. A desk that's his own with his things in it, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's got this uncomfortable shared space. Exactly. Yes. So, yes. So in a world where many of our kids have their own room, have their own space, they don't even know anything about sharing a room with a brother or sister, it really blows their mind so to speak to even think that somebody would have to live in a room with another family or maybe two or three other families uh, or maybe live in a big space like a gym so it, it teaches compassion and empathy in that way and being an educator we see every day kids who are so glad to be in school because school is their consistency school is the place where they have structure and boundaries school is the place where they have snacks school is the place where they have a a compassionate adult who's going to sit and have a conversation with them so that was yet another message that I wanted to convey in the book that for the kids to be able to be in school, even though they are experiencing this homelessness situation, this school part is so very important to keep everything as normal as possible. Whatever that looks like, it needs to be done. It has to stay stay that way. And in the book, it's Mr. Mike. Yes. The, the adult figure who's a counselor. Right. You know a little bit about a lot of bit about what, <laughs> what that job entails, and and there's some good life lessons from Mr. Mike how to manage the anger. Not only right. is there embarrassment and shame, but the the anger, right? Seeing other kids, right, who have cool toys or yes. new shoes, right? Or, and of course, kids are the cruelest, right? Or can be the cruelest, right? But you know, he talks about how he uh, just needs to like calm down or yes how to draw a picture go talk with your parents it talks about he he needs to pray which is not something that we can push in uh, public education but there are children who that's how their parents are raising them to pray in times of difficulty but pray in times of joy as well so that we can make sure that we stay grateful for what we do have and once again, it was important to give those coping strategies to kids because they don't have the verbal uh, skills just yet, some of them, to say, well, somebody called me a name. And that really bothered me. I feel angry when you do X, Y, Z. Kids are still in the process of learning how to use iMessages. There are a lot of adults who are still in the process of using iMessages. So I thought it was really important that I share that sometimes kids don't necessarily know the words to use. Sometimes they'll act out because they don't know how to express how they're feeling and that that's what the role of a counselor, not just a school counselor, but a counselor does is to help to give kids uh, those words and to help them to identify the emotions that they're having so that they then can express themselves appropriately. And, and it's something that's come up actually with my interviews with Street Sense folks um, about managing anger. And conflict resolution, appropriate, you know, an appropriate way to use conflict resolution. If you had to choose one takeaway or a moral for this book, for those who, who come across it, what would it be? After anyone who would read Are We Home Yet, I hope that the takeaway 
would be that they see anyone who is homeless, quote unquote homeless, or who they think is homeless. I hope that they remember that this person is still a human being and that we need to be compassionate enough to find out this person's story and do what we can to help them. Even if we only help one, that's one more that's being helped. That's one more person who's not living out on the streets, suffering through, you know, the agony of the summer heat and the um, dreadful cold winters that we have and that they're going hungry. I pray that people learn that this is a real issue that does affect us all in, in one way or another. What's your dream scenario surrounding this issue, or if you could impart a wish? If I could impart a wish, it would be that whoever the powers that be are the ones that work the money end of it so that we can provide all of the services that the homeless community needs, that they go ahead and throw all of the money that they have towards solving this problem. That was author of Are We Home Yet? Christy Jones. To learn more about her book, go to the publisher's website at tp-rewards.com. Again, that's tp-rewards.com. And to learn more about StreetSense, the nonprofit media center dedicated to creating economic opportunities for people experiencing homelessness, go to streetsense.org. And to hear more sounds from the street, check out streetsense.org backslash audio, or find us on SoundCloud or the podcast app Stitcher. Please keep the conversation going on Facebook and Twitter at StreetSenseDC. I mentioned a forum on child homelessness at the top of the show. Well, StreetSense runs a series of these educational public forums, and the next one will address the criminalization of homelessness. February 11th at 6.30 p.m. at the Church of the Epiphany, 1317 G Street Northwest. The Sounds from the Street theme song, I Need a Dollar, How to Make It in America, performed by Aloe Black from the album Good Things, used courtesy of Stone's Throw Records. The song was composed by Aloe Black with Leon Michaels, Nick Movshan, and Jeff Dynamite, used by permission of Songs of Cobalt Music Publishing, EMI Blackwood Music Incorporated, slash Sony ATV. Excerpts of the following use courtesy of Creative Commons and found on WFMU's Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. Wisteria and Paper Napkin by the Blue Dot Sessions from the album The Great Contessa. And the following orchestral music from Jonathan Hadel, thanks to the Needle Drop Company. Goodbye Summer, Intro, Avalanche, Building Tension, and Closing Credits. My name is Christy Jones, and you're listening to Sounds from the Street.